Welcome to a special edition of the Portically Yours podcast. I'm Yvonne Booth. For the past few years, this segment has showcased poems from Northern Illinois writers and a few from other states. Portically Yours has given you glances of the poets, but it doesn't allow you to hear the depth of these artists. This special segment serves as a backdrop for this weekly series. This month, we feature Christopher D. Sims. Christopher is a Rockford spoken word artist, social justice activist, and many other things. We talk about his relocation, his thoughts on the Black community, and his prediction on where he will find love. Take a listen. All right. So, Mr. Sims, how has it been? You, you're in your new home. How long have you been um, out of Rockford? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, healthy, focused, uh, feeling just as good as I've ever been, probably physically, mentally, spiritually, just the same. And, um, yeah, I've been here in Virginia for about seven months now. Tell me, what has been the difference for you in regards to the creative world compared to back home in Rockford? Yeah, what I've been thinking about and what I've been realizing is that I feel like the the Christopher D. Sims, the poet, the the events organizer and host, uh, going back to the early early two thousands, because here there's a very active poetry scene in Virginia. Period. Especially when you think about coastal or central Virginia, you got places like Charlottesville, Richmond, you got Hampton Roads and all of that in that area. So, um, yeah, I'm just as active as I've ever been uh, being here in, in, in the Virginia area. So, Christopher, you were the one who kicked off the Poetically Yours segments mm-hmm. with your poem, Minneapolis is Burning. Now, we're almost about three years out from the George Floyd incident. Can mm-hmm. you tell me what have you seen change over the years in regards to social justice and equality? Wow. Um Definitely seeing, if, if I think about the people that I've worked with and I continue to have conversations with, and even Rockford, if I think about Rockford, I just saw that uh, Eliminate Racism 815 just had a, a Rockford uh, Racism Summit or Summit on Racism. So people picking up on events like that, being more and more willing to have events like that and have conversations about the issues that affect us, and um, hopefully less and less performative activism, but but particularly people working harder and, and longer and, and more in, in unified ways when it comes to, to racism. So definitely I'm seeing that change. I'm seeing a whole lot of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion on sites like LinkedIn. So platforms like, the, like LinkedIn. So I think people are trying, even if they may be at an anti-racism one-on-one, they're at least trying to help solve the issue. Can you tell me, how does your work as a spoken word artist and even a mentor, I see that you work with a lot of youth, how does that help change um, your community in regards to social justice? That's a good question. I think definitely I know that I'm being watched wherever I am or uh, I tend to be proximate with people. So I think that especially young people, when they see a serious adult about these issues, they, they tend to hop on bored a lot sooner than somebody who who might just be talking and that's all they're doing is talking when they see somebody walking the walk they're they're quick to engage and, and to learn from or at least be uh inspired by you know somebody like myself who's who's been doing a lot of work in in rockford or wherever i am and that's that's cool so tell me about the work you're doing now yeah at the moment i'm i'm doing a lot of um organizing when it comes to events here in charlottesville 
uh, I co-host an event called uh, and co-created an event called uh, Shout Out Loud Spoken Word. It's a, a community-oriented spoken word event, and, I, and I'm doing a lot of um, my, my own uh, creating and crafting and writing. And I've done some recording, some recent recording, and I'm showing up at new venues. I just got booked for actually I'll be in Rockford on June. 17 for an event i shared that with you the flyer and then um i'll be performing at a pre uh juneteenth event here in north carolina uh flat rock north carolina so staying culturally relevant uh uh issue re relevant and and yeah just staying on top of my skills and abilities as a writer and a performer how do you think your world would be without poetry mm, wow I don't even want to think about that for real, but uh, yeah, man, it would be, I would be less engaged with people. I wouldn't be, I don't know what else I would focus on, but I know poetry has helped me learn significantly and, and connect and build with people. Even if I, uh, I'll include rap and hip hop and it's the uh, 50th birthday of birth year of hip hop this year. So uh, I, I will probably be less educated, less informed, and maybe even uh, less uh, engaged in social justice issues. So, you know, I, I want to be the opposite of that. So, yeah. Why do you think you would be less informed just because you don't have poetry in your life? Tell, tell me how poetry helps you want to get out there and learn more and to become educated in certain areas. Because of, yeah, when I was hearing KRS-One from Boogie Down Productions or Melly Mel, that song, The Message, uh, a lot of the early conscious rap stuff, it it it, it made me want to get out in the community. Uh, yeah, and I remember when I used to break dance back in the day, so it wasn't even encouraging me to do that. But when I heard Karis one dropping all of the science and knowledge about wh where we come from and who we are and what's going on in communities, that definitely pushed me out there and it gave me um, pathways in order to seek and find it and and build with but especially black folk, women and men in regards to those issues and be active and productive in communities. Now, I was first introduced to you um, by Connie Kuntz. She used to work at the at the radio station. I know she um, mm -hmm. did a podcast called State of the Artist. So I, I watched that. And then um, not too shortly after that, I reached out to you. Christopher, can you tell me how has your poetry changed from the time you talked to Connie um, to fast forward to our conversation we're having today. Mm. Uh, I think uh, as, as I've watched other writers get to a certain level, especially if you look at poetry, and some of the best uh, advice I've, I've received or editing advice or knowledge is to cut out the words and and the. And since I've done that, uh, my poetry, I think, is, is a lot clearer. Uh, I guess I get to the point and uh, I can do more storytelling when when you have those uh, uh, those words out of there. So I think I'm a better I'm definitely a better writer, a better communicator, and um, my skills have developed a lot more. And I think I'm, you know, and with 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 age comes wisdom, or time with time with time comes wisdom. So I've been able to be able to speak more impactfully in regards to uh, social justice issues and the like. It's much like um, broadcast news writing. You know, we have to cut out the fluff and get right to the point. So I can feel you on that. Can you tell me, um, do you have something that you've written lately that you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, you know what? I, I wrote a poem about uh, maybe 30 minutes ago now, and it's a new a Juneteenth poem. And 
I think it's an example of uh, my, especially my storytelling ability. And and uh, if I think about cutting out does and ands, I think there's uh, some some of that in there too. So I can let me I can pull it up. So am I the first person hearing this? Yeah, you're the first person to hear oh, this. I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think I'll, I'll be taking this poem to North Carolina with me too. So oh, cool, cool. That's exciting. How it. often are you writing? While you're looking, how often are you writing these days? Mm, I'm writing a lot. Even if I think about some of the maybe the short poems or whatever that I'm throwing up on Instagram or whatever, but I'm I'm writing a ton, and I think my my writing picks up in the summer anyway. So. Yeah, quite often. And you said it picks up in the summer. Why Why is that? You know what? I think because I'm also writing for events. So I, I, I start getting booked for events in the summertime. So I want to be prepared and make sure I have a, a, the content that I need. So definitely that. Okay. Yeah, I think it's pulling up now. Here, here it is. Okay. It's called Juneteenth, the story. Jump for joy they did, enslaved still in Galveston, Texas hadn't learned of their turn, slave drivers still forcing them so they could continue to earn. As the sun burned, as days turned into nights, there was no freedom in sight. Despite the writing, the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, slaves still existed in this nation. No one told blacks in Galveston, no one made an announcement, hands still picked. Slave masters were still getting rich, richer, richer than most because the slave market was still not closed. No one has spoke about slaves now being free all across the country. Our ancestors, our people, our collective and not collected to the connected to the message. Slave owners not wanted a deficit in their dividends. Hell, make them slaves till the end. Make them pick cotton or tobacco always. May they be slaves so they are buried in their graves, still owned, women and men grown, children too, all the while the sneaky bastards who bargained for their, them knew. But in came the news, in came the reality. Slaves were now freed people. Lincoln's law got out, slaves screamed, they did shout. Out of masses rule, out of the shackles at his house on his plantation. June 1865 is when this happened. Free now in Galveston, Two years later, this is their story. This is how we reached what is now called Juneteenth. And that's the poem. Thank you so much, Christopher. I, I like the way you talked about um, the slave masters and, and how the sun was burning them and things like that. But it makes me think about today. Mm. And this question is, you know, it's been a little bit over 150 years since 1866. What do you think the Black culture's mentality is when it comes to being free? Mm. Wow, that's a heavy question. I still hear even conscious rappers like Talib Kweli or Yasin Bey or any other conscious political person or just conscious period say that we're still not free. And I can understand that. I definitely um, see us still connected to stuff or being being slaves in, in in particular areas in this community or in this world that um yeah still has still has a shackle mentally uh, physically spiritually but uh also i think that some folks on the flip side will say that we've come a long way 
And I can understand that, definitely. Yeah, we're not walking around in chains physically. You know, we're not working on somebody's plantation. So maybe there's a balance somewhere. And yeah, we're right in the middle of that. Oh, that makes me think about a, a line in a poem I wrote a long time ago. I had to be in my 20s and I said something like, we're still in chains, not physically, but mentally. And I can't remember the rest. Um, but what do you think we as poets can do to, to have an impact on our culture? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing we can do is tell the truth. And oftentimes when I'm, I'm reading poetry or listening to some rap or hip hop, I'm, I'm looking for the truth. I'm looking for some insight and some education. So as long as we can tell the truth about what's going on, that'll definitely help us. It'll, it'll help a lot of people. Yeah, be be truthful, be mindful. Yeah, consider your audience and who you're talking to. And yeah, uh, drop, drop some knowledge and wisdom like we need these days. Now, earlier you talked about posting some things on Instagram. How important is social media to the craft? These days it's very important. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I definitely wouldn't have as many followers or, uh, you know, re reaching as many people, you know, without uh, social media. So I think it's, it's really important. But I'm also I'm definitely the community oriented minded person where I would definitely I would rather be on stage, you know, featuring somewhere or maybe at an open mic where I'm reaching people. But social media has helped get my my especially me as poet, my my words out there, you know, a lot, a lot farther. So I appreciate that. Now, you have traveled across the world to perform your poetry. Tell me more about how your performance side of poetry got started. Um and how you got to the point where you were doing it, not just locally in Rockford, but all over the world. You know, I was just thinking about that. Uh, I got an interview with a, an organization in DC and DC is actually the first place where uh, I traveled to, to perform outside of, uh, outside of Rockford. I mean, I remember being at the University of Memphis in 98 when I first uh, found uh, an open mic and recited there, but. DC is the first place that I traveled to. I was on a plane and, and went to a venue and performed for, I think it was an hour that time, something like that. So um, yeah, DC, Toronto came after that and then all these other places, but it was uh, just the, the the ability to get up and travel like that and the excitement that came along with it. And that helped make it all happen. How did they learn about you? Like, how did you get the opportunity being a rocker to go to D.C. to perform? Who commissioned you? I was on the Internet, you know, and I reached out to some people. I think I started researching, you know, venues. They, they either started to pop up or I saw people on the Internet and I reached out to them. And they were like, yeah, just told me to come out. They booked me and I went and did my thing. So, yeah, it was outreach. Around what year was that? That was around 2000. One, 2002, something like that. So well over 20 years. Now tell me about the um, the pay for these types of types of events. Do you when you when you have an engagement, are you paid most times? Do you do um, others for free? How does that work and how do you determine what to get paid for and what to do um, as a favor for the community? That's a great question. I know the event in Rockford I'm being paid for and the event in North Carolina, I've been paid for actually well ahead of schedule. So yeah, as a craftsperson, as a professional, you know, and as a part of my mentoring, I wanted to show other poets that you can actually get paid as a poet. 
you know, and when you reach a certain level, like myself, you deserve to be paid as a poet. So most times I'm getting paid, but if if there's something in Rockford that I, that I wasn't invited to, you know, or uh, somebody needed me, you know, it, it would have to be probably the Rockford Public Library or maybe Booker Washington Center who didn't have the budget and just wanted me to show up and, and perform or recite a poem. Organizations like that, I, I definitely perform uh, free for, but most of the times these days, since I've reached a certain level and I've been doing it for so long, I'm getting paid for what I do. Um, now, I know in the past we talked about, um, your, your, you were talking about, I'm thinking about the poem, I met her at a bookstore. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell me, has anything changed in that portion of your life since you've moved to Virginia? Not really. Uh, I mean, I've tried, you know, but uh, I don't know. Dating seems weird these days. Finding somebody sometimes feels uncomfortable. I don't know. You know what I was, I'm glad you asked that question, uh, Yvonne, because there's a, a poem that I'm going to write pretty soon called um, I'm, I'm Thinking About Her, and then I'll be weaving weaving in and out of neighborhoods in Rockford where I frequented or walked through or rode a bike through or was hanging out with friends in. And uh, what, what has come to my mind, if, if, if I happen to settle down again or, or find somebody, it will probably, it might be a Rockford gal that I've been on all my life and it just um, came time for us to come together, you know? So, yeah. That yeah. that's that's funny that you say that. What is the thing about timing? Tell tell me about why you think that's so important when it comes to relationships. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think this is perfect. I think uh, there's a woman that I that I, I first started dating or became real close with when I was real young in Rockford, and 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 maybe we dated for a little bit. Maybe we had crushes, but then you know, in your adult years, you go you go off, you experience things. You have experiences, maybe your heart was broke or whatever, maybe you didn't find the right person, but then you come back around and maybe, you know, you know, y'all start talking again and, and things seem to fit and then you make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, timing can be golden, especially in relationships. Oh my goodness. You're giving me so many ideas um, for um, poetry prompts. So mm. I'm going to take a pause and see if you have anything else to share with me in regards to poetry. I like to do this uh, because most times poets are always ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, and I don't have anything new uh, memorized or 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 in my head, but um, I think yeah. Um, why don't I recite? I'm at a bookstore. I mean, go back to it. I'll I'll, I'll share okay. that piece. Maybe okay. folks haven't heard in a while or have, haven't heard that poem in a while. Yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, here I've I've done I've been doing a little singing lately in China and bad singing inside inside poems. So let me see. Can you stand the rain? I met her at a bookstore amidst the aroma of coffee, laughter, and conversation. Somehow our eyes met. We began to admire and respect one another's presence. In essence, I considered that first glance a chance for my soul's salvation. Clearest to me was the sunshine of her smile and the beauty of her gentle cheeks, which caused me to stumble over my speech from time to time. Her laughter was looking upon the jazz that played lightly in the cafe. I, Christopher D. Sims, could have had a better day. She read Toni Morrison, Nikki Giovanni, and Chomsky. She had a fetish for black and white photography. She, she majored in art with a minor in sociology. She saw me sipping green tea serenely, wanted to meet me. Turns out that she beat me to the last copy of Sister Soldiers, the coldest one ever, you see. That's how we met her hand. 
touch mine and in that brief moment in time, we seemed to marry one another. I found myself smothered under the glory of a greatness, singing silently in a blanketing bliss of lost unpredictable beauty. I met her at a bookstore. Can you stand the rain? My life has changed forevermore. And that's it. And now, can you tell me, why did you choose that new edition song to intertwine into this piece? Because I, I grew up listening to New Edition back in the day. So, yeah. And and I've been riding in my car and listening to, there's a, a radio station on Sirius XM Radio called Heart and Soul. And I've been hearing songs like that on the radio. So, yeah. How How does music inspire you with your writing? Oh, man. I'm usually writing to music. So, yeah. And most often times, if it's anything, it's jazz music. And sometimes I'm writing, you know, and it's quiet, but um, usually I'm writing to music or maybe there's something in the song that I heard that I want to write about. So paint it's that, the rhythm, the melody, all of that. Paint that picture for me. How does how does that begin? Yeah, so I might sit down here in, in my room in my apartment. I'll, um, I'm all, Most of the time I'm listening to Spotify if I'm not in my car and I'll, I'll open up Spotify, find some music and... Yeah, there's even if, especially if it's instrumental, um, that instrumental is speaking to me in some kind of way, and it just um, encourages me or urges me to to write to start typing. So, yeah, oh, I never heard of that before. That's an interesting concept. I know myself. I will listen to a song or or even um, hip hop, and I will get inspired. Especially mm -hmm. Tupac. Every time I listen to Tupac, I have to go write now. You recited that poem without looking at any piece of paper or anything. Can mm -hmm. you talk through, and I know you shared this with me before, but for those who are listening and don't know, can you talk through your process for remembering your poems? And also, I would like for you to tell me why you think it's important to know your poems when you get up on that stage, as opposed to reading them from a piece of paper. Yeah, when I was memorizing my poems early on, I was actually going line for line, memorizing each line. And I would do that until I had a whole stanza memorized and move on to the next stanza. Um, and after a while, I would have the whole piece memorized. And then what I would do is I would get up and start walking around and start reciting the poem to make sure I had it from beginning to end. So I kind of studied it like it was the poems, like they were, they were tests I was taking. So... And my ability to be able to, to to walk around, to look people in the eyes, to maybe even perform with the jazz band or or, or musician, that um, that comes from you know having memorized poems. So I like to be able to to, to be in control um, that much on stage and and yeah show and be be theatric, be performative too when I'm reciting. So and I can only do that if I have a poem memorized. Now I know you've judged some poetry slams. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me your thought when you see a person up there with a piece of paper mm. as a you judge? Know, uh, yeah, yeah. And I've seen, I've actually seen, uh, even on, uh, if I'm watching the YouTube video, I've seen people win slams with uh, uh, paper in their hand. So I think it, it depends on your delivery. If you can deliver the poem well, uh, even when you have it in your hand, I think that counts. But uh, most slams I've seen where people have won, they have pieces memorized. Especially, I've seen some amazing uh, team poems, and it, everybody has a piece memorized, and they, they're performing, and it's amazing. So, 
it, it just gives you that that ability to perform well when you have a, a poem memorized. Have you ever collaborated in that way? I have, yeah. Uh, the group Poetic Justice League for America that I used to belong to, we were hot in the Rockford area around, I would say in between 2002 and 2006. And then they were without me after a while because I, I left the group to go you know, perform other places. But yeah, we would be on stage, uh, all of us. And you know, we would even have uh, you know, a musician who would play. Uh, Bear Wolf was a part of that group. You know, uh, Bear would you know, either play the guitar or drum and then, you know, he would also, you know, recite his pieces. And we, we had this whole team thing going on. And it looked amazing and it was different. So, yeah, happy to be able to mention Poetic Justice League for America. How did that group get started? It was, yeah, we were actually, uh, Rockford Public Library, uh, they, were, they were having poetry slams, the early poetry slams. Even in the late 90s, early 2000s, most of us were in the group competing in those slams, competing against each other. So, um, and thinking about, you know, memorizing pieces, we were the ones who, who started, first started doing that in Rockford in, in the open mics and the slam. So we just came together, you know, we, we liked each other's material and came together and started practicing and, and, and formed Poetic Justice League for America. And that's how all, that all came together. Can you tell me why you think having a group of poets around you is important to keep you inspired that saying still sharp and still i think definitely for that you know that other poets can make you better stay on top of your craft and even maybe even give you other topics to write about so definitely that and it's fun it's teamwork it's effort you know it was it was that was fun a whole lot of fun when we were performing together and, and people you know checking us out man look at them they they're different they and they're good at what they do so i think uh the, the camaraderie the teamwork and, and being able to make each other better, you know, is, is what I experienced from it. And I'm sure the other other poets, you know, could, could say the same. Now, I want to go back to the whole social social justice thing. Um, and I know you said earlier that you can tell that people are really working towards making um, things better in regards to racism. But what do you think our community needs to do to make things better for ourselves as opposed to waiting for another group or groups of people to fix stuff for us? That's an amazing question. And thank you for that, Yvonne. You know what? What I've, I've been hearing in the last 10 to five, five to 10 years is that we don't support each other, black businesses, especially black groups and businesses. So to, to definitely do more of that, you know, work together, you know, create land trusts, uh, create uh, intentional communities where they're, it's, they're intentionally black and black owned, and we're pouring as much uh, uh, finances and, and hard work and effort into them as we can. And I think that will allow a lot of us to to be able to create some generational wealth and whatnot. I think if we we definitely focused on that, and, and then not let the trappings of capitalism or, or or individualism, you know, take us away from you know that kind of living, those kinds of environments, that that would be very helpful. And I also believe that knowledge is very important. Um, there are things out there that um, a lot of people just don't know. So they don't know how to get to a point where they're able to pull in money to create generational wealth. But what mm -hmm. are some of the um, resources that 
like books or uh, other things that you've read that helped you in regards to elevating your life as a Black man? Number one is uh, my senior year in high school, thanks to my, my, my good friend, Antar Baker, I read The Autobiography of Malcolm X. So that, that book definitely taught me a lot and helped me get to an understanding that I need to be a Black person, a Black man in, in, in the United States or in this world. How to Eat to Live by Elijah Muhammad, that book. Man, there's there's been a, several. Yeah, How to Eat to Live, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Most of uh, Toni Morrison's books I've read, which all are always playing some type of knowledge of wisdom uh, in, in your brain. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, and to go back to to rap music, you know, uh, Karis One's early early material, Nas's uh, 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 untitled album, uh, To Live Quali and Black Stars first album, that album. Yeah, uh, music and books like that have definitely helped me uh, get to where I am, and 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 have helped a lot of other people get to you know to a higher higher thought process. And yeah, we 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 definitely continuously need that. Tell me about your work with the youth. How do you switch from, you know, talking about social justice and all of these heavy things to make it something fun for the youth to want to um, take part in? Yeah, my, my thing is to be inclusive and engaging. I, I can put together a workshop or uh, a session where we're, we're discussing some heavy issues, but I want them to, to, to feel as much part of it as I am. So being able to ask them questions, see how they're thinking. If, if I can put together something like that for, for them, then uh, it, it makes it even more worth it and more important. And I'm not the one doing all the talking, you know? And so I, I definitely want to hear from them, hear about, hear what's on their minds and what they're experiencing. Christopher, what is next for you? Are you planning on staying put or are you thinking of probably moving to another area? What's next for you? That's a you know, interesting and good question, but um, yeah, I've I've been telling folks that uh, yeah, I could be heading back to Illinois. I could wind up back there living and working again. Uh, there's an opportunity that just came my way out of D.C., and uh, I think there's a few more options out there that I might be forgetting about. Uh, who knows what will happen in North Carolina when I go and present out there? I'm just I want to get to. Uh, if it's if it's back in Rockford or in Illinois, I'll probably live out the rest of my my years there. If not, hopefully it's somewhere where I can feel more grounded and rooted in the community and do the work that I was you know put here to do. And can you tell me about your family of um, spoken word poets that you have developed relationships um, in Illinois and other areas? Who are some of your favorite that stand out that you would like our audience to know about? Oh, my main man, Dwayne Morgan, who's in Toronto, Canada. Check him out. Um, check out who else can I, I throw out there? Wow. Um, Dwayne Morgan. And then uh, 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 Talam AC. Talam is a poet out in New Jersey. Really good poet. It's T-A-A-L-A-M-A-C-E-Y. Talam AC. Uh, Queen Sheba, who's in Atlanta, Georgia. She's been doing her thing for a lot. A while and she's really dope. Jessica Care Moore, who's who's one of the original spoken word poets, who's who's always really nice on the mic. She's in Detroit, Michigan. Um, check out uh, Black Poet Matters, of which uh, you have been a part of that that whole group. Um, 
DJ Benyam and B and myself put that together and have hosted a, 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 a lot of good talent in that group, out of that group. That started during the pandemic, right? Because of the pandemic? Right, right during the pandemic, yeah. And since we couldn't come together and be around each other physically, you know, we, just, we made it a an online platform and there are videos on YouTube. You can check us, check us out. Check out Basement Entertainment, B-A-S-S-M-E-N-T Entertainment, and you'll you'll definitely see our videos and, and, and see us performing online. Yeah, that's really about it. I could probably throw a lot a, a lot more names out there, but those come to mind definitely. Do you have anything else you want to tell our listeners? Yeah, that um even when you think that, you know, your 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 poetry or your talent or your gifts won't get you anywhere you keep at it and they will, you know, I'm fortunate. A lot of people know my name and they know my talent and people will reach out to me, you know, for my gifts. So I think that's a blessing. And um, it, it was the nine year old who first heard rap music that, that uh, would eventually wind up 40 years later, you know, being the writer and poet that I am. And it's a gift. It's a blessing. I'm honored to have it. And um, yeah, the ancestors have made a way for me. So I'm just continuing to do what I do. Now, before I let you go, you know, I have to have you recite Minneapolis is Burning. Okay, I would have to look that up. Take your time. Okay, let me, man, it's been a while since I recited that. Let me see if I can find it. It should be in this box uh, here, my Gmail. You know, I couldn't let you off with um, not saying this because it kicked off the segment, Christopher. Right, that's right. Three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, here it is. You got it. Okay. Minneapolis is burning. Minneapolis is burning for justice. We Black people are yearning. The hate here in the U.S. we're confronting, discerning. I hope you won't stop learning. While Minneapolis is burning, heads are turning. The smoke is increasing. The pain is seething. Start believing that Minneapolis is burning. Minneapolis is on fire. The activists won't retire. The situation is dire. The events that transpired took a man's life. Minneapolis is burning tonight. The people are meeting, planning, marching, targeting the nonstop injustice in the city. Minneapolis is burning because of endemic bigotry. The citizens are soldiers in an army against racism. Just like their forefathers and foremothers, they'll fight back at the system. Can't you feel the heat? Can't you see the flames? They're doing it in George Floyd's name. Let the flames burn, let the buildings fall, let racist practices dissolve into the blazing infernos. Hate has to go. No justice, no peace, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. Are you ready? Stand near the heat, the heat, the heat. Rightfully so, the people, the soldiers, the fighters are earning camera time. Minneapolis is burning. Some might think it's about time, it's about time, it's about time. We're tired of losing lives. Why do we have to continue to die, to die, to die, to all Black people and our accomplices? This is concerning. Burning, burning, burning. Minneapolis is burning, burning, burning. That's it. How did it feel to read that again? It took me right back into that 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 time where, yeah, you see the the news footage in in Minneapolis. You see the the I almost call it rioting the the fighting back, the pushing back. Yeah, it took me right back to that place, uh, right right there. It's amazing how poetry can do that, can, you know, transcend, you know, 
take you out of today's state of mind and put you in another. All right, Christopher, mm -hmm. can you let the people know how to get in contact with you? Yeah, email me at Christopher D. Sims, Christopher, the letter D, S-I-M-S, at Outlook.com. You can follow me on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram as poor Christopher D. Sims. I'm on Twitter as my, with my stage name, Universal Love. That's U-N-I-V-E-R-S-O-U-L-O-V-E, at Universal Love. And yeah, even if you Google Christopher D. Sims, there are multiple posts or ways you can find me. Yeah, and I have my, my own page at... Uh, WNIJ. So, yeah. Christopher, Universal Love. Where'd that come from? You know, I was using Universal. Somebody, I, I don't know, Universal. I think um, somebody had called me a Universal Soul. And I'm like, yeah, that that's me. So I just combined Universal. And then um, years later, I was on the phone with somebody and they say, yeah, you're a loving person. So you should add the OVE at the end, Universal Love. That's how it came came to be. Okay. I just I just wanted to hear that story. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today and, and to share your journey with me. And I mean, if you end up back in Rockford and fall in love in Rockford, that'll be a wonderful thing. I'll say I'll yeah. say you've spoken into existence. Yeah, that'll be dope. <laughs> yeah, I'm in I'm in touch with some some women, uh some of my early early crushes or like uh uh my, my first ever girlfriend or one of my Oh first wow. In Rockford, so and she, she, um, yeah, she was just in Rockford hanging out, and she knows my family well, so she was actually hanging out with a a, a, a niece of mine. So, oh, okay, you know, who, who knows what might happen? Who knows? You never know. That's how the universe works. It brings you mm -hmm. back around to where you're supposed to be. No doubt. All right, then I'll talk to you soon, sir. All right, bye, bye, bye. Christopher is always evolving. He'll be back in town on June 17th to celebrate Juneteenth. The details can be found at the Rockford Public Library's website. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Portically Yours Extended Podcast. Listen to Portically Yours every Friday at 12.31 p.m. and 6.18 p.m. on 89.5 WNIJ and at 3.59 p.m. on 90.5 WNIU. Special thanks to the Nick Monte Trio Band for sharing their music for this podcast. For Portically Yours, I'm Yvonne Booz.